Hey, Cameron. <laughs> I uh, I demanded you press record because we're going on a little bit, little a uh, little bit of a tangent in the pre-show meeting. Okay. So, uh, let's go ahead and put this on record. So, how do you feel about reviews, Justin? Oh God, <laughs> you put me on the spot here. <laughs> I think reviews can be very important within a certain type of scope. I mean, Yelp did was great at first. I thought Yelp was a fantastic site uh, for a long time. I was like one of those top reviewers on Yelp, but I would actually be thoughtful in what I was doing and I wasn't doing it to create hate. I was more trying to give advice on what was good at certain places or what I enjoyed about the experience or things like that and trying to give good, honest ratings, but I wasn't going in to try to find the negative and things. I was really trying to give solid advice. And then Yelp turned into this haven of people trying to hate on things and trying to nitpick their way through stuff and just became awful TripAdvisor, i think could be very helpful as well in some fashion uh, in terms of trying to give people advice but reviews that drive the importance of something is something that i completely dislike because just because you get reviews does not mean that you should be seen more in an algorithm based on just you getting reviews whether it's positive or negative it just drives me nuts reading like amazon reviews are my favorite oh god It'll be like a hand mixer and people will be like, it was difficult to use. It was confusing. (laughs) Pop the things in, press on. (laughs) I know. Like stuff like that makes me laugh. Like people just don't get it. So like when I see a bunch of negative reviews, I'm like, okay, but was this person an idiot? Probably. (laughs) Probably. Yes. Especially it's easy. I think it's pretty easy to tell, especially on a product review, right? Mm-hmm. Project, it's pretty easy to tell if they're just an idiot or they're trolling or they just had no idea what they're getting themselves into period yeah so um i mean how detailed do we want to get about the sort the beginning of this conversation <laughs> just say that um me and this is me personally admitting it i don't tend to like to read reviews on my own work because mm-hmm. i take a lot of stuff to heart and i feel like i do wear my emotions on my sleeve a lot when it comes yeah. to whether it's me being well liked or not and that's just me being completely honest and opening up right there too that is difficult for me to read reviews I, I like good feedback and I like constructive feedback as well because I have taken a lot of constructive feedback whether it's performance based with theater or music before or presence on radio writing as well I mean I with my job my day job I have to take feedback all the time when I'm creating a, a marketing email or writing a press release and stuff like that so that's constructive feedback is very important and i mean my my love language is words of af- is words of affirmation so that might explain a <laughs> lot right love there. language <laughs> what what i've never heard that terminology uh where have that's... you been you've never heard the love languages no oh we're gonna press pause on this right now you you with how often you are on the internet you've never heard love languages no Okay, so I think it'll make sense. Dear God. Okay. There are five love languages. There's words of affirmation, which is which is you you like being told you're doing a great job, you know, thank you for doing this, that kind of stuff. It's affirming words, right? Yeah. Is this like a Scientology thing? No. No. (laughs) It's more based on a relationship thing, but it applies to a lot of different things in life. Okay. Gotcha. The words of affirmation. And you can have multiple love languages, but pretty much everyone has their one, right? 
right? That's the top acts of service. So like doing things for other people, whether it's handiwork around the house, doing the dishes or just doing little things like putting things away when you know some other person might forget or little things like that. It could be little, it could be big, whatever. It's acts of service. You doing other things to help the other person out. Receiving gifts. This isn't just like this receiving gifts for the sake of receiving gifts, but receiving thoughtful gifts. It could be like a little note. It could be something that, hey, this made me think of you and this is a little trinket. Or if you're someone that travels a lot and you get a little gift wherever you travel to on business or something and you bring it for your significant other, they like receiving that because it means you thought of them while you're on your trip. That's gifts. Quality time, which is just spending time with the other person, being near the other person. If you have really busy schedules and you set aside two hours, like this is our time together kind of thing. And then physical touch. It could be something as simple as holding hands or your, your legs are touching, your feet are touching when you're sitting on the couch or putting your arm around the person or something like that. Just being able to have that skin to skin contact, you know, things that we haven't had much of in terms of just a hug in general because of the pandemic. Those are the five love languages. And you could take that whether it's in a relationship that is platonic even, or in a relationship that is, you know, true love soulmate type of thing, your significant other. But those are the yeah. basic quick run over that. And words of affirmation is mine. That's why I take a lot of stuff to heart. Gotcha. Now, constructive feedback was one of the things you mentioned. And the internet is not where that's... Uh, no, it's not. Where that's found. <laughs> People are going to present all kinds of problems with zero solutions. Uh, you don't make me happy. Okay, well, what will make you happy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's up to you to figure out. It's not my job. Oh my god. But yeah, that explains that explains a little bit about me then in regards to why I don't necessarily tend to read the reviews on my work, especially from people that I don't know. But even like when I wrote my book. Nashville Predators, The Making of Smashville, available on Amazon, whatever books are sold, that it was difficult for me to read reviews, even positive ones, because I was scared of what might happen. I knew I was proud of the product, but I knew there were still places that people could pick it apart, and some people did. Um, and that's that was difficult for me, and people, well, you should have thicker skin, thicker skin. Yeah, in certain areas I do. When it comes to joking and being able to take jokes and stuff like that, I absolutely can, because it's about burning each other, and I think usually deeper down there's it's friendly meetings behind these jokes with friends but when it's actually critiquing my work in a matter of saying i'm bad at it or something it is difficult for me to take that and i could be absolutely bad at it i just don't want to hear it but well it's it's tough it's very tough also not for nothing but there's plenty of people who have no idea what mass appeal is and oh, like true that that's very true especially the platforms you're on you have to go for mass appeal you can't be like a little nichey thing like you know you're on the radio you kind of have to uh be attractive to all the tune in so you know it's it's tough to be too cool for school and actually have an (laughs) audience yeah you're, you're very right i mean if anything too for those that are listening i really try to just be me like this is my personality, I don't change yep. between when we record and when I'm in person. I really do try to be a nice person because there are random people that say hello to me when it's walking across Music City Center to the rink or even at Bridgestone Arena or shoot, I could be on the ice plane for the Mighty Drunks and somebody control me. He's like, I follow you on Twitter, man. Your tweets suck. And they start laughing like, no, I'm just kidding, man. But it's like, it's kind of neat to have those interactions and everything too. So I, I really do try to be the same person wherever I am. Yeah. So oh, what's man. my problem, Cameron? Um... <laughs> No, I like, we kind of talked about like, uh, you know, 
what people find annoying about you and they didn't like nobody necessarily mentioned one particular thing that like like you said you can change or anything it's just like well i don't like him <laughs> like that's so cowardly and so unconstructive but like i think that's probably the annoying thing is that like you're going for mass appeal and not you know i don't know like not that you're not different but also like i don't know i can't put it into words necessarily if that makes sense and this means you're writing a really bad review i mean <laughs> <laughs> if you can't put it into words geez what are you even doing <laughs> okay well at the end of this podcast i'll give ourselves uh one out of how many other stars you know we'll figure that one, out one out of two one out of two let's go for one out of two. yeah that's one out of one out of two that's good that's pretty good that's pretty good. on a two star scale <laughs> 1.75 out of two we can go for star search and be like four stars and it's really tough to be like that that's also the like disparity between like some of them are percentages like right. rotten tomatoes uh some of them are uh you know just good or bad you can totally stack the system in one way or the other too on yeah. those places like, especially rotten tomatoes you can absolutely yeah. just throw the entire system off mm-hmm. i don't like that okay well do we want to talk about hockey at all well, a little bit. We should touch on it a little bit. And I want to ask yeah. you a question to start off with yes. this. Because I know it's been difficult for a lot of Predators fans or any fan that is in a Fox Sports regional market, which is a shit ton of America. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been able to watch many Predators games this season is the first question. I'll follow that up with something else. So that that's an interesting question. And it's something I was thinking about uh today was you know you have to try really hard to watch this team and the team can't be this bad and make it this difficult to watch (laughs) um that was the thought i had but um so i got like um it's legal i i think technically it's completely legal i got a vpn set up (laughs) and um so I'm watching through uh, NHL TV, and I'm I don't know where it says I am. I'm probably in like Scandinavia or Madagascar or something, <laughs> hanging out with the Penguins out there. Um, not the Pittsburgh <laughs> ones, the Madagascar ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm able to watch, and basically my method has been: I'll keep an eye on the score, and if the game seems interesting, I'll go ahead and tune in. So how often do you think I tune in? Not that often. No, not that often. Not that often. So the what you're saying is the want hasn't been there either because the product hasn't been something enticing you. No. Well, and the product isn't enticing because like I, I'm seeing Ellie Tolvanen doing good. Yeah. But there's not a lot to be excited about as far as the future. Like it's a lot of the older guys playing or getting injured. That's that's very fair. So, and, it's, and I'm asking you this from an outside perspective because obviously a lot of people that listen are obviously Predators fans and hockey fans in general too. But I'm sure plenty have a blah mood. Some are watching, some will start watching and then turn it off as well. So, in terms of the accessibility of being able to tune into games, I mean, you still had to do a little bit of finagling mm-hmm. with ghosting an IP address to be able to to be able to do this. We're just gonna say it because. There's so many tons of people that are doing this because Fox Sports and Sinclair screwed over so many millions of people. Yeah. Uh, with, with doing this, 
it makes the effort a little bit more difficult because you have to put in actual efforts to be able to just tune the channel on. And even if it's just like background, just to have it on for the sake of having it on, it's more work for people now too. If you don't yeah. have cable or, or, or satellite, you actually have to find other ways to do it or pay a shit ton of money to be able to watch your team be shitty on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I keep thinking about is like how many viewers like Twitch streams get and the ad revenue associated with those mm -hmm. so much that like there's YouTube video game streaming and Facebook video game streaming. And I don't mm -hmm. know how successful those are, but they all generate tons of ad revenue. They're some of the most watched things in the country and they attract a much younger audience. And I get why you can't necessarily make that switch because there's so many contracts in place but mm -hmm. what if you know you could just turn on twitch and watch hockey watch nhl hockey i know you can with uh, the nwhl but um yeah it's interesting to think about like well how do we attract a younger audience how do we grow the game well you make the product available to people that's <laughs> that's step one <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that is interesting. And so let, let, let me ask this then. If, for instance, this team, because we know that they're about to go on an eight-game road trip, they're playing uh, I, uh, six of these eight games are against teams that are the top three in the division. They're currently three and seven on the road, meaning it's, it, it doesn't look good <laughs> for going on this road trip whatsoever. So if they do make changes, let's say they make some changes and they say, Okay, well, we're obviously going to play a lot of these younger kids. You know, we, we want Philip Tomasino to be up here now. We want Rem Pitlick. We want more of these prospects to be up here. And it's more of an understanding that the team is probably not going to win near as many games because you're getting a lot of rookies opportunities, but at least you're getting opportunities. Would that entice you a little bit more to watch because at least it's something different? 100%. I'd much okay. rather watch the young guys suck and try and work it out than watch the older guys you know, just flounder and not develop anything. Like, I don't know, like older, the older players are what they are. And that's basically what they're always going to be. Like people, uh, I keep hearing people say like, oh, this team should be doing better. I'm like, I don't know, should they? I don't necessarily <laughs> think so. Like, I think uh, the product we see is the product we should expect. I, yeah. uh, I don't think that this team's better than what we're seeing necessarily. No, it's too late for that. No. Um, and like people also saw like, oh, if we got rid of the coach, like, you know, they'd be doing so much better. Or if we got rid of this player or that player. Coach is going to change anything right now. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I don't think changing GM is going to change anything. I don't think changing coaches. I don't think. And, you know, the majority of that stuff they've tried before. Like they've tried swapping out players. They've tried swapping out coaches and, you know, we're getting a, a further down of the trend. A changing of the general manager would be something that wouldn't be necessarily an instantaneous thing that'd be noticeable. It'd probably be two years down the road that you might notice a difference in the type of player personnel and hires that might happen. It's, it's tough for that to be an instant thing unless there's absolutely some moves that they just come in and do sweeping changes with a new general manager, which typically doesn't happen much Yeah, because it's too, especially with an ownership group being above you. If you had a sole ownership, it might be a little bit easier to just get approval of one, but when you have to get approval of a group of people, a little more difficult than, than that to have happen. That's why 
yeah, I understand that people are frustrated and the, the scapegoat goes to the head coach in most of these cases. But at this point, swapping out head coaches, I don't think is going to do a damn bit of difference for this team because they need new personnel and they need new asset management at the top, I believe. Uh, because yeah. you're, you're not going to have any sweeping changes and notice a change unless you do a lot of those different things. And I mean, Carl Taylor, he's a teacher. He needs to work with prospects. So if you brought him in as an interim basis to work with a lot of these veterans and stuff, it's not going to go over well because he's not teaching him anything. He has to be able to teach and grow prospects. Yeah. And I'm completely unsure how much of a change in GM, what kind of impact that would have because Whoever goes into that seat is probably somebody the current guy trained and right led for years. So like we're like it's not a situation where there's one guy or one problem to solve. Like a lot of these problems are ingrained into the culture and development methods and the way the team is built. I mean, there's a reason the uh, team record for goals in a season is the lowest in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, and haven't been hasn't been much talent in terms of offense aside from Philip Forsberg, and he wasn't even drafted by the team. And yeah. he's like the only one. He was he's a point per game player, but he can't carry a team on his back like that. He's not even if Connor McDavid can't carry a shitty team, then Philip Forsberg can't carry a shitty team. I mean, and Connor McDavid's an elite generational talent, and even then the Edmonton Oilers have plenty had plenty of struggles with him and Leon Dreisidel. 200 point players still can't carry a team to a cup. How can one player that is on the edge of elite do it? Yeah. And like the offensive talent that has been developed in Nashville, like I feel like that's talent that would have been developed. Like they did it in spite of the training and stuff that was provided to them. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, it's, we all know it's not the place where offense goes to develop. Right. I, you know, on a different team, could Philip Forsberg be scoring, you know, 40 goals a year? Probably. I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. I like, I think, uh, I think his stat lines throughout his career would look a lot different somewhere else. Depending I don't on the think talent. that's, yeah. I don't think that's good, bad, or whatever. I think that's just a fact. That's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, he's still the, probably the most, he's the most productive young talent that has come through the National Predators. I mean, yeah, Paul Correa. Had some great years. I mean, David Legwin never put up the numbers he was expected to, but he, he became what he was. I mean, he was what he was, which was a second line center overall. And uh, I think David Poyle said that when he traded him. Like, he yeah, said, pretty much. We expected a lot more of him, but that's probably on us. <laughs> right. See? Uh, so it's, it's, it's curious with that. And then, I mean, Victor Arvidsson had a, had a couple of good splashes, but obviously he's been dealing with in injuries all the time because he just gets bombarded with where he tends to place himself. And we haven't seen him go near yeah. the net near as much this season uh, either. So it's, it's a confusing time because I, I've anyone that knows me knows I've been calling for a full rebuild and to embrace the rebuild. And I mean, that, yeah. that, that potential excites me for what could happen at drafts and seeing youth talent because it's a numbers game, right? It's like you're playing the lottery, you're gambling at the draft. And the hope is that you draft so many that the numbers just work out to where you're like, we have two star players that came out of this draft. That's pretty darn good. Just to even get one star player to come out of a draft, but to get two would be fantastic for a couple of years down the road. That's why you stock up on draft picks because you never know what could happen. You you hope you have a guy that's like, say, Patrick Hornquist, and look what he's doing with Florida Panthers right now. And he's won, he's definitely won Stanley Cup. He scored the game-winning goal in Nashville as a Pittsburgh Penguin. And he was a he was a late-round pick. 
I mean, yeah. a really late it was seven round pick. Yeah, he was he was um Mr. Insignificant, was he not? I believe he's the last pick. Um so yeah. or something like or something like that. Um it was it was Yeah, that's curious. the uh that's the piece of trivia that was always quoted when he went to Pittsburgh is uh Sidney Crosby was the number one pick and uh Hornquist was the very last pick in that same draft. Yeah. So and you see the kind of career he's had, which has been stable and current, not elite. <laughs> But, yeah, round seven, number 230 overall by the Natural Predators. Yeah. That's Patrick Hornquist. But he's had a stable career, not elite, but he's been able to produce a plenty. And you never know what you're going to find. Pecorine, another one in a round that doesn't exist anymore. So mm-hmm. that's why the, it's a pure numbers game. You just trade some of these assets to get lots of opportunities to hopefully find something that will break through for you. And it's that's a tough game to play because unless you suck good enough, <laughs> to be at the top in the draft lottery, you're hoping the numbers game works out. And this draft is not that strong compared to you. This is really good talent, but it's not like you're going to find the gen- the generational talent you usually find in the top three of a really good draft class. And go through this team throughout history. At worst, they've been painfully mediocre. We have never had a bad, terrible Nashville Predators season. It's the Seth Jones really draft happened. was the worst. And yeah. that's, that that doesn't. I mean, and still, they weren't awful enough. Like they weren't bad enough to get Barkov or McKinnon. I mean, yeah. Barkov and McKinnon are the same draft class. That's a darn good draft class when yes. you think about it. And everyone's still. But what if? What what if the teams ahead of Nashville had taken what they need? And because one of them obviously needed defense, and they didn't. They took what was better overall for them. Because can you imagine this team with Barkov? But the player, he's one of the most underrated players right now, I think, out there because he mm-hmm. plays for Florida, even though Florida's a fantastic team right now. Yeah. All these what-ifs. <sighs> yeah. I'm Honestly, like, I'm ready to embrace the bad, terrible, truly terrible Nashville Predators. I don't want to be frustrated where it's like, maybe they'll win, maybe they won't. I want to see big time losses every single night and that we're kind of seeing that right now i guess but getting there but i want losses if you were going to want losses i want them with prospects getting experience so that in two years they're going to be really damn good because they've gone through it they have a chip on their shoulder they've they've know what it's like to lose and now they learn what it's like to win it's that coming of age story for young guys that have been playing together building chemistry for a couple years while they're bad and then you bring in a couple key pieces and all of a sudden boom they're contenders in a few years yeah and I mean, those are the teams that are dangerous. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, we all remember going into the 2017 playoffs. It was, yep. you know, last team in, you know, that's, yep. that's the kind of culture you need to create. You need to bounce back. And that was uh, the roots of all of that. We're acquiring Forsberg and, mm-hmm. you know, drafting Arvidsson and building up from there. And you know, we need to have one of those moments before it's going to work again because it hasn't worked since. No. Or be really awful enough to where you can have a Crosby Malkin, uh, a Taves Kane, <laughs> a, yeah. um, a, a McKinnon, Laniscog type of thing going on. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the team's going to, like, I don't know. I feel like with the way the team's always drafted, they'd find a way to screw it up somehow. See, like, that, and that's a problem too, that a lot of fans have that mindset. Now, there's no fault in having that mindset, but they've given no reason to not have that mindset. Yeah. So that, so there's our hockey talk. Yep. <laughs> WandaVision? That is, sure. Why not? <laughs> what do you mean, why not? 
I don't know. <laughs> well, I just got done watching it again for the second time. Watching yeah. with Alex. I uh, had to, because I, I stay up for those episodes. I was staying up until 2 a.m. when they would drop. Watching them then yeah. live with some other very few Twitter friends that were also watching it and some people that were texting me during it as well. So we wouldn't post spoilers, obviously, on the internet because that is a really dick move to do, people. It's post spoilers on the internet. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people know my thoughts just because I talk about it so much. What are your thoughts overall on this on, on the series first and then kind of going from there? I think the funnest part was coming up with all the like different theories that ultimately didn't matter. <laughs> um like honestly i'm really disappointed they wasted evan peters like for now for well i mean i don't think just for now though like they like you're like oh this is like the the multiverse coming into play and it's like nope just a boner joke but they didn't explain who the missing person was that's true i'm just i'm trying to give a little bit of hope yeah, and then you're like, oh, aerospace engineer. Like, oh, that could be, you know, beast. That could be a, you know, um, it could be a, a million different people. And uh, nope, it's nobody. But they didn't really actually finalize who that was either. Nope, they sure didn't. Oh, um, I liked marks. how. What's that? Some question marks. Yeah, I liked how, uh, like, uh, I don't know who it was exactly, but like one of the directors or somebody came out and said based on fan theories, people are going to be very disappointed by the finale. That's Paul <laughs> Bettany, I believe, wasn't it? Or no, not Paul, uh, it was one know. of the producers. And then Bettany was like, oh, crap. When he ended up actually saying that his cameo was with himself. Yes. And he's like working with someone that I've really wanted to work with for a long time. And that's what he said someone on Someone I have podcast. great respect for. And yep. like, yeah. Yep. So he was and just making the, a joke. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> So um, yeah, that that was one of. The, but again, it was one of those things he didn't. I don't think he expected. I think, and then I'll let you continue to go on. Uh, Marvel, I think, severely underestimated how crazy people would get on oh, fan yeah. theories and Easter eggs by giving us a week in between episodes, which I still love. I love the word that we didn't binge it because I wanted things to digest so we could talk about things with, with amongst our friends because that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. But I think they grossly underestimated the amount of fan theories and Easter eggs and what TikTok and Twitter and all these social mediums would do to drive some of these theories to actually make people believe them. Because there were ones that I started believing, like, that makes sense. That makes absolutely, that should totally happen. Instead of just focusing on the story they were trying to tell. Yeah. Um, no, overall, I was I was very happy I'm easy to please though. Like I don't get sucked into the fan theories and they said enough to where I'm like, Oh, okay. Nothing too crazy is going on. I'll just enjoy what's that, what's in front of me. Um, I did think a lot of the scenes with them, like flying around, like, you know, I haven't really felt like any of the Disney plus properties have felt like TV instead of movies until some of that stuff popped up. Like, just like the close-ups on like Wanda's face and body as she's like flying around. Like it didn't look that great to me. Um, like it definitely showed uh, production value is not the same as like one of the Avengers movies. I mean, that's interesting you say that because the budgets for each individual episode were ridiculous for TV, especially. They were pretty up there. So, so that's why it's curious. Cause it's, we're talking like millions and millions of dollars per episode because of special effects. But yeah, I mean, there's always, I think, going to be a little bit of want for more because we're so used to the movies, even though this ended up being 
like a eight hour long movie, yeah. <laughs> not eight or seven and a half hour long movie when you put everything together. So yeah. I see that, but I think overall, especially for TV, and so, especially when we see so many things now, we're we are in the era that we are used to streaming services giving us a lot of movies that are made, like Netflix, especially Hulu, even now, we're, Amazon. We're seeing movies made by these companies, but what's funny is these are direct to VHS. That's, that's what that's what a lot of these are, except bigger budgets, of course. But it's the same thing as direct to home instead of movie theaters. And typically, those products were nowhere near as good. You can still enjoy them, but the the budget was less and things like that. And there's been some comparisons. I think I think some comedians actually have made some comparisons to these things that. There's some of these streaming service movies that come out or series even that come out and you're like, this really is what made for VHS was like, it is lower budget, but they're still getting a decent actor because the actor's getting paid, but it is something they filmed probably within a matter of a few weeks instead of a few months. And they're blowing this out. Like it's some big, huge thing. I think we're seeing a bunch of things like that. Yeah. Um, I still miss the days when you go into like blockbuster video and like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to rent uh, snakes on a plane. And then you walk by and it's like, um, you know, mongoose on a train. Like <laughs> they're like, we're just going to help some like person like half heard the title and like scoops this up. Uh-huh. They're, you know, $5 on the wrong thing. Or the, gosh, there's been, on TikTok especially, there's been, I think, Star Wars and Avengers, where what they've been, what the, what's happened to these movies, they've been pirated and translated into Mandarin and then translated back into English. I've seen those. <laughs> Which is pretty interesting, some of the words that have been utilized, uh, but it is interesting. But back to WandaVision, I mean, my deep down take is why I overall enjoyed it, and I was one of the people and first of all i'm not i don't want to gatekeep anything there's been many people that have asked about it and i'm trying to give them easier ways to introduce them into it because it's difficult to say well you got to watch the entire mcu just to understand wandavision you i think people can go into it and, and watch these the series and understand it with just four films uh and so that's what i've been doing actually with um alex's sister now we just started with age of ultron to get her going on that because that's when wanda and vision are introduced so you yeah. get that you get civil war infinity war and Endgame, just to get you current and i think you can they can start just with that and yeah. because there's a lot of people you need to watch all the movies like that's that's days worth of watching when people want to be able to go watch this because it's the most watched television show in the world right now there are going to be plenty of people that have never watched marvel that go into this and don't have any idea what the hell's going on and that's okay whatever we can do to explain it but what i liked about this was that it was an origin story for wanda we got the actual type of things that went on in, in her childhood, how she grew up. The things were referenced in Age of Ultron with the Stark missile just sitting there uh, for, for a long period of time. For her having powers already that just were not really discovered kind of thing. We got the origin story from her. What? You yeah. reacted to that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that just means there's going to be mutants soon. Right. I mean, there's, there's undiscovered powers that were ena- enabled by, yeah. by the stone. And what I liked about all the story and the plot behind this, but it was her individual story on how she was overcoming tremendous grief and sadness and depression and mental instability, things that so many people go through and deal with. This, this is on a superhero type scale. 
but there are so many identifying markers that a lot of people could relate to things in terms of grief and how people react to grief. Hers was immense and it showed how immense it was because she didn't even know what she did until she had to go back and revisit it thanks to Agatha. So she didn't realize that she created it. She did not understand anything because she was so deep within her grief and sadness and not being able to overcome it that she could. That was yeah. the sole purpose of this story right here, as well as to set and move the MCU along. But we got to understand fully more of how she becomes the actual Scarlet Witch, the reasoning and the witchcraft behind the Scarlet Witch, the Darkhold, which references uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit, even though they went non-canon after it as well. But it's telling the story of, of grief and depression. And it's something we haven't gotten as much in terms of character development in a lot of Marvel movies. And that's what I enjoyed about this because it wasn't just slap, bam, action, adventure, discovery, a sleuthing. It was actual character development where we felt a deeper connection and f- you feel for her. And that's what they were doing with the storytelling. And that's why I enjoyed it as a series instead of just a film because there's no way they could have accomplished all of this in a film, but in a series where you're getting all these little tidbits of storytelling and what she's going through. That's what blew me away is that they did take a very good amount of time to actually figure out what they're going to do with the story and make you feel for character for superheroes for uh, for a vision that it doesn't even exist that is a, a made up thing from Wanda's head and her power and you feel for them and you feel for so many different things and that's why for me I love it so much because it's also showing Elizabeth Olsen's acting talents and ability with everything that she had to pull off in these episodes, especially when they had the sitcom things going, that she was having to play a different type of role every single episode. And for an actor to get in that mindset, to be able to pull those different types of things off. And so much of the grief and the sadness, the emotion that she showed in this too, just shows off her acting chops. And that's what I love too. She's also an actress that she dove right into the Marvel comics that years ago, she was even referencing stuff with the house of M and Scarlet witch and future things with, with vision and stuff like that. She was referencing stuff because she went and did her research on the character. So Elizabeth Olsen has blown me away. I, I know I ranted it's in a different way there too, because I loved it and thought it was fantastic, but I just, I love the, the attention to detail that was taken. So we're two weeks away from the debut of uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. What are your expectations and desires? Completely different than WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> like th- that's what I like too, is that we're going to get something that's different. This is going to be action adventure sleuthing type of thing. That's, that's going to be fun and different and buddy, buddy comedy, but in a different scale. And like Loki's going to be time travel adventure and science fiction based. So that's what I like how it's every series is going to be something different to keep our chops fresh. But in Falcon Winter Soldier, I really hope there's, and I've mentioned this to other folks too. I hope there's some reference to agent 13 and Captain America's kiss in reference to how he time traveled back to end up with Peggy and then made out with her niece. (laughs) I get just one sort of joke, one little one-off joke to make fun of it and then move on. Don't spend a lot of time on it, but just acknowledge that it happened. And that's weird to think about, but with uh, Zemo, I, I'm curious. I really don't know. I don't have many expectations, except I expect it to be fun and not necessarily emotionally draining as WandaVision could be a little emotionally draining. 
I just expect a lot of fun, some buddy buddy action comedy, but Marvel based kind of thing because these two started off and I'm not liking each other and now they're teammates. And also curious to see how they bring the whole Captain America mantra into it as well um, with um, US agent and how that's going to portray. So there, there's a lot of things I'm just curious about. I, I'll, they were going to release what probably nine episodes of that one too, I think, or something like that. Uh, so just curious to see how the story's driven. I'm not sure if it's going to be the kind of thing yet where I'll stay up till two in the morning. I'm sure there'll be spoilers, but it depends on the type of cliffhangers that they leave. So I might stay up to watch the first one and see how it goes, um, just so it's not spoiled. But I think there's there's going to be stuff revealed that will drive the story along. But we knew WandaVision was going to lead up into at least one movie, and now it led up into two movies with Captain Marvel 2 and Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness. I'm curious what Falcon and Winter Soldier could lead up to, if anything. Yeah, I'm honestly expecting like a mini version of uh, the Winter Soldier movie each yeah. week. That's kind yeah. of what I'm expecting. Just a little darker, um, but some comedy moments. <laughs> yeah, um, and overall, like some sort of like crime type, uh, yes, espionage style uh, storyline, as opposed to like a traditional superhero storyline. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm <laughs> expecting. And, but I do like what's what's fun is that we don't we have to we have, we go through the whole rest of the year with new Marvel content every single week. Like in between, we have making of, which I'm obviously going to watch, but we have new Marvel content every single week. Plus yeah. the other things that Disney Plus is adding. I mean, Mighty Ducks is starting soon at the end of this month, which I'm going to watch for nostalgia purposes, and it's probably going to yeah. be a nice fun family series that could get more kids into hockey. And if that's what it does, that's awesome. If it gets more people into hockey, just by introducing them to it because of a Disney plus series. Uh, so there's plenty more content coming out, but if Falcon winter soldier, I'm curious if they're going to be short, some short episodes like WandaVision had a couple that were 30 minutes long. Can they accomplish what they need to in a series like this with short episodes? I don't think they can. I'm expecting almost every episode to be at least 40 to 45 minutes. Um, just because of the type of show that it's supposed to be. Yeah, honestly, I think Disney's pretty much going to stick close to that uh, that thirty minute timeline for these TV shows, and that's fine. Not everything has to be three hours long oh, for God, movies, no. hour and a half long TV shows. Like sometimes I just want to sit down and watch a thirty minute TV show. Oh yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. That's what I'm curious with an action adventure sleuthing. Granted, no commercials means that a forty minute episode would be like an hour on traditional TV. Yeah. So when we well, put it that way, I just think of that uh, second episode of The Mandalorian where he just shows up, zaps a couple of the Jawas, <laughs> and then like episode done. Yeah. Like it was like there's a cohesive story in there, but it's short, simple to the point, and moving on. And I think uh, I'd much rather have something like that than have those moments that feel like they're dragging sure. on. Yeah, and Mandalorian did a fantastic job of making you feel like you got everything you possibly could out of that 25 or 30 minutes they really did a good job at that yeah i also like the self-contained like here's a story beginning to end in one episode and like a lot of the things that were strengths in uh the mandalorian weren't necessarily there in wandavision but that's okay too right and and i mean Spandalorian being more of like a Western type of thing, you did have a little bit of closure because each one, there was a main overarching story, right? With all the individual stories in between to lead to the eventual end uh, of the story, which which is great. I mean, that just shows how 
great Disney's been at TV. Now they need to make good movie for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, man, I've been rewatching the the sequels, and like, man, I love each one of those movies, but it's a horrible trilogy. It, yes, there. I think. Yeah, you put it the right way, and we've talked about that before. I mean, it's on their own. It's like they could be fun, especially Force Awakens. I yeah. think can be really fun just with what it covers because there's so much fan service in it. And I think that's, that's totally yeah. fine. Subtract like with a different edit. I still think the last Jedi is the, one of the best star Wars movies ever made. I love that movie. And I know a lot of people don't, I they know hate it's a hot it. take, but they hate that yeah. movie. And I don't get it though. Cause like you get a badass uh, uh starship uh, scene right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some really good lightsaber battles in there and you know, it matches the message of the original trilogy where heroes can come from anywhere and right. be anyone. You get that in a few different places in that. And I don't get why it gets the hate it gets, but here we are. I, I think I get, I have more criticism for the way some characters are written. And it's nothing against the characters. It's more that I think the screenplay writers did a disservice to these actors of what they could have done with characters. You're talking about Luke Skywalker? Okay, shut up. <laughs> so I was thinking not, about not that. Luke, I'm not talking about Luke Skywalker, though. No, but like, even so, like, that's what a lot of people have said. So let's say, like, no. you did say that. You hate the way Luke Skywalker was written. You thought it was dumb. Let's just say that for, uh, for uh, conversation's sake. Now, I was thinking about with The Force Awakens, <clears throat> it sets up that Luke's go- Luke goes and hides in shame. Mm-hmm. How do you write it any different, right, than what was done in the Last Jedi without it not making sense? Because like, if Luke's still connected to the Force and still passionate about saving the universe, okay, that's cool. Why are you still hiding on this fucking island? Right. Well, no, <laughs> no, you make sense because the, remember, if we go back to Luke being younger too, he was a frustrated teenage boy that just wanted his way. That was grumpy. He was a grumpy kid. Yeah. No, so no wonder he become a grumpy old man. <laughs> that doesn't surprise well, me whatsoever. In the original trilogy, Luke's a different character in each one of those movies. He is. He's he's a whiny teenager in the first mm-hmm. one. He's overambitious in the second one, and he's mm-hmm. a Jedi master in the third one. Oh wow! What do you know? A hero's journey. What? You, <laughs> <laughs> well, what a shocker! No, but like Finn and Rose, Finn deserves so much better. He, yeah. he really as a character because he was bu- built up in the force awakens to do so much more and they did a great disservice to him and john boyega to 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 write him the way they did it just seemed more like a one-off character instead of having more of a he didn't have an arc yeah well every single one of the added characters in those movies deserves better um ray was really interesting but she had no flaws so she was set up to fail as far as like an interesting cohesive arc right. because heroes have to be flawed you can't be superman there's a reason why all superman movies are terrible now and she wasn't gonna side with palpatine at the end i mean it's not like she had any sort of inkling to side with palpatine whereas luke did have a little bit of dark side and inkling to to do things because of his anger but to save his father yeah like you can't be like all powerful and like all good like it's boring that's why ahsoka tano is awesome yeah like that's basically how ray was written though and like but that the foundation of that character is interesting like this girl who was abandoned on this planet she's like a junker 
Like, but she's going to emerge as the hero. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, the Top Gun fighter pilot, like, that's really interesting. The stormtrooper who's like, you know, rebelling and uh, had a change of heart and everything, like, that's really interesting. Um, even the origins of Rose, where you know, she's a mechanic on this gigantic ship, but through happenstance, she's going to emerge as a hero and have a bigger impact mm -hmm. as well. That could have been really interesting. And then, <laughs> yeah, not a single one of those storylines were interesting. No, and that's a tragedy. It, it, it truly is. So that's, it makes me excited for some of these other one-off type of series slash yes. films. Like I'm looking forward to Rogue Squadron. We're getting a fighter pilot movie, but with X-Wings. Like, yeah, that is potential. Like, you don't have to trilogy everything. That's what I think they get into these things where it's trilogizing everything, if that's even yeah. a word. But that's where I like Rogue One so much that, yeah, it fits into yeah. the main storyline. But those characters were not meant to have more movies after them. They had a mission and a purpose in that film. And it was to explain how they got <clears throat> the Death Star plans to the rebellion. Yeah. And they accomplished it. It was a war movie. Yeah, and I think lower stakes from a studio perspective are interesting as well because, you know, I think that's why The Mandalorian works. They're giving more license to let them be a little more adventurous because at the end of the day, it's just a TV show. We are not, we're not building a franchise off of this. At least that's their mindset. Of the the franchise already now. exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they can fill it in. They're, they're, they're doing fill-in stuff so you can bring in little teases of the universe. But overall, this is a story that had nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. But yeah. obviously things are intertwined, but they're not stuck in their way. They don't have to be stuck in a certain type of story because they're, yeah. they're only loosely connected. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons Rogue One worked so well is because, well, all these characters are going to die at the end. Everybody knows that. So let's just have fun. Yeah. And let's tell, let's make a good war movie. That's yeah. what they did. They made a good war movie about sacrifice. And that yeah. was the message there. That's where I think if, if folks truly understand the meaning of Rogue One, they tend to love it more than just like a, well, what was the meaning of that? Well, there's a lot of meaning behind it. The rebellion's all about sacrifice. And if you're sacrificing for the greater good, that's exactly what they did. They sacrificed everything for the greater good to get those plans. And you knew they were going to die. And you also saw the, the, the makings of, of Vader even more so and how evil everything was. Yet, I think people are going to look back at Tarkin and be like, oh, it could have been better. But when you think about the technology right then, was awesome but you see how it ties together which is fantastic for me and plus i love the score for rogue one too it was pretty darn yeah. good i like yeah. that i'm film nerd <laughs> no i mean the scores for all this stuff is pretty pretty freaking uh, good yeah just you yeah know, just a little bit it's a little bit yeah. but um i'm excited for a lot of this content i mean we're starting we're going to start getting more star wars content on disney plus and more series i know we have the boba fett one to look forward to in december which will happen we're going to get another Mandalorian season, obviously, as well. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. And then I know more Marvel series, not including Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki, we're going to get. I know What If is coming soon. Um, plus, I mean, they're, they're already filming Hawkeye down in Georgia yeah. as well. So that'll come soon. So, like, we went a whole, almost a whole, we basically went a whole year without new Marvel content. And we're getting bombarded with stuff and filming stuff because they're filming Spider-Man 3 as well they're filming hawkeye they're filming so many different types of things they're filming doctor strange and multiverse of madness over in great britain right now because elizabeth olsen was on uh, one of the late night talk shows talking about that and everything so all these things are getting filmed so it's back on track which just gives me relief <laughs> to have content 
because soon yeah. soon and hopefully just a month or, or less or two we're gonna be back going to movie theaters baby <laughs> yeah well i heard somebody saying we should have had a spider-man trailer by now if it weren't for the fact that black widow hasn't aired yet and obviously something in the like final teaser thing there they like you can't have the trailer for spider-man before people see that that's kind of the like a trailer when they're still filming spider-man well yeah i mean you get like announcement trailers and crap like that like the movie's coming out in december yeah well, well i mean they gave this the teaser with the name of it yeah but we haven't had any type of trailer or anything not a teaser trailer not nothing well, that'll that'll happen. I think. I mean, filming schedules obviously got thrown off, uh, and everything. But I mean, don't they usually have to finish at least main filming to get a trailer? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I think our trailer enough was the was the well, how they pulled the fast one over us as well on Instagram between the three main actors yeah. with the fake names and everything. But that was the teaser right there. Was just that plus the everyone's obviously freeze framed the dry erase board to see all the little mm-hmm. Easter eggs that might be on the dry erase board tying into No Way Home. Which is a yeah. very curious name as well. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I think I think we're about done. I'm ready to go to bed. Okay. Sounds good. Well, good catching up. And thanks for bringing my insecurities about reviews to light. Yeah, absolutely. I hate you. Um, <laughs> what, what do you give this episode out of how many stars or thumbs up or, you know, whatever metric you want to use? I'll give it a three and a half out of five. Three and a half what? Stars. Stars? You're yeah, three and a half stars out of five. Um, You're going to get really creative or something smart-ass. You already know it. I can't think of it. I can't think of anything. Um, I'll give it a three and a half Dr. Peppers out of five. No, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> You're tired. I can tell. Yeah. No, I give this 4.69. Nice. Um, insulting reviews out of five. Oh my god. Duly noted. (laughs) All right. Bye, Justin.